Thank you, Lord. I'm going to, I know you probably have, you know, everybody obviously knows that we went to Peru, right? And I've been talking about that quite a bit. Would you indulge me? I want to show one more video of the trip. And this kind of encapsulates kind of what we did. Now, this is Global Ventures professional one. And a lot of this was done with a drone, which is amazing. The first couple of shots you see, the last days that we were there, they, um, uh, you had an option to do two little fun days. One was you went down on the coast, went on a boat ride, and you got to see walruses and seals and all that kind of stuff. The second one was the sand dunes. Emily and I and Leslie, we did the sand dunes. So when you see the sand dunes, that's, uh, that's where we were and that's what we were doing. So I'm asking you to drop the lights. Are we 100% ready, guys? Amen. Go ahead. Good stuff. Can we do something real quick before we get started? They actually just landed in Romania. And uh, that team that we went with, there's a whole new group, and uh, they are going to spend a week in Romania. One of the advantages that we had being in Peru, and when we did it, is we had the opportunity to go into schools. But in Romania right now, there is no school, so the majority of what the teams will be doing are looking for what are called hot spots. And that's where you just are spirit-led, and you go out into the... The, the surrounding area and you bring out that little microphone and you saw those people dancing? That was us dancing. And you just draw a crowd and uh, you start preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, so can we stand for a moment? And uh, let's just take a minute. Let's just pray over John and let's just pray over their team. If you know how to pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost. Father, we just humbly come before you right now in the humble name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, Father, we pray over, Michelle, would you join me? Lord, we just humbly come and we just pray right now over uh, John Smithwick and over his family. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus, Lord, over Global Ventures and over this team, Lord, that's in Romania. Father, I pray, Father, for strength. I pray for health. I declare, Lord, that every piece of luggage, Lord, got there and got there on time. That, Lord, there's nothing lost, nothing missing, and nothing stolen. Father, we plead the blood of Jesus, Lord, over all of their transportation and all the modes that they'll be moving through this city. Lord, I pray over each and every team, God, that, Lord, that they are led, that they are discerning you, Lord, in all that they're doing. But, Father, I just pray that a large net will be thrown over the nation of Romania. That, Lord, that there has already been favor, Lord, with allowing them to do this family festival, Lord, in an area that they've never allowed a Christian church to do it before. Lord, your favor is going before missions right now like it's never done before, Lord. It's never been easier, Father, to go into nations, Lord, and preach the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I just pray a hedge of protection around all of their team, all of their equipment, Lord. I pray, Father, there'll be no technical difficulties. Father, I pray over John as he preaches and teaches over his wife, Lord, as she organizes as they set this thing up. And, Lord, we declare the end from the beginning that tens of thousands of souls, Lord, were won into the kingdom. The Lord, that there were hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, Lord, of documented healings. That Lord, this is the time. Now is the, this is it. This is the time we've been waiting for, Lord. So as we step foot, Lord, and we take that ground for you, Lord, we'll not give it back. We thank you for favor. Lord, I pray Luke 2.52 over their team that they increase in wisdom and stature and favor with both God and man, that there's no sickness due to food or water, that they're always in the right place in the right time, 
that they're not lacking in any good thing. And Lord, they're going to come back healthy and strong in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And everybody said, amen. You can be seated. I tell you, we are alive at the most amazing time in history. You're not here by accident. There is a reason that you're here. We are the team, Lord, that's going to take this thing all the way into the end zone. This is why you're here. This is why you're being equipped is because we're going to see one of the greatest harvest that time has ever known before, before all this thing wraps up. And so what we got to do is we've got to get our priorities straight. Amen. And I felt very strongly that that's what I'm supposed to talk about probably for the next couple of Sundays is I want to talk about priorities. If I were to ask you right now to take out a sheet of paper and write down what are your five biggest priorities in your life right now, could you do it? Could you recognize what your priorities are? Yes. All right, I dare you. Take out a sheet of paper. Get a pen. If you don't have a pen, use your phone. Go into notes. You can write down five notes in your phone. And I want you to write down what are your priorities in your life right now? What are your priorities? Now, I would dare to say that most of you, if I asked you what your priorities were, let me just tell you a little secret. When you just wrote down your priorities, you just wrote down your vision statement, your mission statement, and what are the most important things in your life. You just told me who you are by writing down what your priorities are. Now, I'm going to dare to say, since we're in church and everybody wants to, you know, make sure, you know, that everybody put God number one. Am I correct? How many of you put God as your number one priority? How many of you put Pastor Jack as your number one priority? Thank you, Neil. Thank you for that honesty in the back, brother. I would dare to say that most of us put God as our priority. I would say number two, that most of us probably put family. Yes, did you put family next as your priorities? I would say number three, you probably put your job. Did I lose you? What's number three? Give me some number threes. Football. Football. Marriage. Marriage. Family. Who else? Number three. Number four. What was your number four priority? Sleep. You're a college. Oh, my gosh. Sleep. Amen. No, there, there's no right or wrong. What was your fifth priority? Yeah, there's no wrong answers. You're just writing down what's your priority. Well, Pastor Jack, what's a priority? What is the thing that you deem to be the most important in your life? That's your priorities. Those are your priorities. For those of you in this room today, it was a priority that you came to church today. That is one of the priorities of saying that we love God. If we say that we love God, but we don't ever go to church, I think we're wishing and hoping that that was our priority. Now, let me say this. I would dare to say that if I were to give you this little formula and you were to go back now and look at those five priorities, could you still keep those in the same order that, that they're in? Well, how do we know what's a priority? What do you give the majority of your time to? Look on that list. 
What is it that you give the majority of your time to? Because whatever you give the majority of your time to, and number two, whatever you give the majority of your money to, that's your priority. We all want to say that God is our priority, don't we? We all hope and wish we could say that God is our priority, but does God really get to be number one in our lives? We want him to be. It's the Christian thing to say. It's what we would like it to be. But in the, in the, in the realm of our life right now, is he really number one? That's a tough statement. When I got down to Peru, and yes, I'm going to talk about Peru a lot, probably from now until forever. Because I had an encounter with the great I am. He never appeared to me. Um, there was no vision uh, of anything. But all of a sudden, my priorities got put back in order. That's how you know you've been with the great I am. Amen. There's a shift in your priorities. When... Uh, I'll do what my dad used to do. When one of my sons was in college, I won't tell you which one. <laughs> my dad would do that. He'd say it was one of my sons, and then within like 30 seconds, he would, he would say Michael, Jack, or Troy. <laughs> you know, it was just, it was a given. But when one of my sons was in college at Earl Roberts University, I won't tell you which one. He got a girlfriend, amen? And she was a nice girl, but... Whenever that son's grades would begin to dip or whatever there was times where there was uncertainty or confusion, we always had to go back and we had to say, well, son, Jack, what? <laughs> come here, Jack. Give, give, come here, Jack. Give Jack a mic. Chesley, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So, Jack... Just in your own words, explain what would happen over our four-year period at Oral Roberts University. You know, I mean, it's the host, Mike. Hello. You know, I had a good time at college, and there were some cool things. And then my dad would call me after I would call him, because usually I was pretty accountable. I'd tell him, you know, like I'm not, you know, I failed this test, and then I might have failed another test. But I had good grades. Don't worry about me. I'm just telling you, you can fail a test just for not studying. And so he, he would. Um, tell me, I'll, I'll say this, the last thing that I wanted to see was my dad show up at my, uh, my dorm door un, unprepared. Unannounced. Without telling me that So the worst up. thing you ever wanted to happen in your life was for me to show up at your dorm unannounced. But anyways, he would ask me, what are my priorities? And so he made me write them down just like y'all just did. And it was God, family, school, work, and then girlfriend and everything else after that was below that. So that he would ask me that all the time and I'd be like, okay, and I'd have to reset and re-forget what my priorities were for moving forward. And that would usually fix the problem. Well, it always fixed the problem because then my grades would get back up and I wouldn't fail the test and I'd, stu I'd be studying because I wasn't focusing on the wrong thing. Right. Very good. You did good. Would you give that to Ms. Chesley? So what happens is, is when we get our priorities out of whack, when God's no longer number one, when I'm spending more time trying to work on a girlfriend-boyfriend relationship than I am going to school or I am with my relationship with the Lord, I'm out of order. And when I am out of order, there's no way that blessing can come to me or through me or stay in me. Amen. And so with Jack, it was always very, very simple. I said, Jack, do we have, you know, this last semester, we did not have to have the talk. So Jack, are we going to have to have the talk? Because he knew what the talk was. It was like, 
There is no reason for you not to make good grade. There's no reason, and our priorities have to get back in line. And if you could put God first, and then you put school second, because that's your job, and then your family and all this girlfriend stuff, it will work itself out. Now, Jack graduated ORU. He was on the dean's list his last year. So he did fantastic as a student. But how many of us would have been fantastic students, but yet we didn't have our priorities straight? We have to have our priorities straight. And the number one way for us to get our priorities straight is to find out what are God's priorities. I dare to say that a lot of things that we think we're living for, we don't live for. A lot of things that we think that we are, we're not. A lot of things that, you know, there's all those funny videos of, of how people think they look, but then the reality of them, how they look. And we look completely different than the reality of it. Why is that? Because we don't have our priorities in line. And I feel at West Houston Christian Center, my parents have done an amazing job. Amen. They've done an amazing job with this church. They've done an amazing job in that it's debt-free, and I'm going to share a little bit about that. But, you know, God did a miracle here in 2007, $2.8 million, $2.4 million with about a crowd like this. And this church was paid for in full in Jesus' name. Amen. That is amazing. That is that was, you know, what, a, what an amazing time. But I know that God's not done with us yet. I know that that wasn't the only thing that God wanted to do here and that he did it for a reason. Amen? He did it so that we could preach whatever we wanted, not worried about who gave and who didn't give. That we could be honest with you and not just speak to the big givers and hope that they stayed. Come on, somebody. I can speak the truth to you in love because it doesn't matter who leaves as long as the Holy Ghost doesn't leave. He's the only one I care about. Well, my wife, my kids, they can never leave. But that's, that's a different story. So I want to talk a little bit about priorities today. Would you go with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22? Isn't it great that God didn't leave and, and leave us just orphans and wandering around and wondering what his will is and wondering what I should do and what I shouldn't do. No, he left us his word over and over and over so that if we ever get our priorities out of whack, that once we come back to him, that man, all of a sudden the blessing starts to flow, the growth starts to happen, all those things. So listen, so Jesus is talking and you've got a lawyer or a scribe and they're trying to always catch Jesus in a gotcha moment. Did you ever notice that? That at the beginning, they are always trying to catch Jesus in a gotcha moment. You know, they thought they were so cool, not realizing that they were talking to God. You are never going to have a gotcha moment with God. Amen. God's never going to go, oh, that was really good when you got me there. <laughs> I didn't see that one coming a mile away. No, no, no. They were coming at the word with the word, thinking they could trip the word up. Only a man would do that. So Matthew, let's look in chapter 22 and beginning in verse 30. Um, let me start in verse 34. It said, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. 
This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands hang all the law and the prophets. And the prophets. I want you to notice that right there what Jesus did is he did not do away with the Ten Commandments. He fulfilled them. He said, no longer do we have to live by these Ten Commandments where I tell you what is right and wrong. If you'll let love rule your life, then you're going to know and you would never do those things to another person. If I love you, I'll never steal from you. If I love God, I'll never put any, any other thing before him. If I love you, I'll, I'll honor my mother and father. Do you see where I'm going? He did not do away with the Ten Commandments, but he fulfilled them right there. He said, in this statement hangs all the law and all the prophets. That if you will love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. I want you to notice that he was teaching us that he wanted to love him from the inside out and not the outside in. He said, I don't want you to love me from the outside because of what I do for you. Just, I want you to, I want, I want to be in your heart. Once I get into your heart, then I'll get into your soul. Once I get into your soul, then I'll get into your mind and I'll get into your strength. I want you to love me from the inside out. I want a personal relationship with you where I live and dwell inside of you. The only cool thing is, is that I'm going to be a gentleman and I'm going to stand at the door and knock. And I'm going to wait for you to open that door for me. Isn't that good? But he said, this is my priority. That lawyer was basically asking Jesus, Jesus, what's the greatest priority? And Jesus, without hesitating, goes back to the Old Testament. Does everybody recognize that that statement, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind? That's an Old Testament statement. But he says, if you will do this thing, these are my priorities. If you want to have right relationship with God, you have to love him first and foremost. Now, love to you and love to me, it might mean two very, very different things. But I want to find out if one of God's first priorities for me is to love him, I need to find out what that means. Because love in our world today, I love pizza, I love that car, I love that movie. I love that dress. I love you, but I love you only because you, you know, you first love me. I need to find out what does this thing mean, love? What does it mean to love God? So let's take a look at that real quick. Now, first, let me just say this. Your priorities are the things that matter the most to you. They're the things that you value the most. Amen. Your priorities are the things that you place the highest value. And I spell value time, T-I-M-E, and I spell value M-O-N-E-Y. Whatever we're giving the most of our time to, if we're spending more time watching network television than we are spending time with God, guess what? That's not a priority to you. If I'm spending more time chasing after my hobbies and, and my likes and the things that I want and not spending any time with the Lord, not having any devotion, listen to me. We cannot say that we love God with all our heart if you're not spending any time with him. I, I, I don't want to burst your bubble today. I mean, you came to church. That's wonderful. And nowhere in the Bible, though, does it say that those that love me will come to church. Now, that is a sign that we love God. God. 
right? Because you came here today and hopefully you came here to hear something from him. Amen. That's showing God that we love him. We value what he has to say and we value those that he puts in front of us for what they have to say. Not the words of a man, but the words of God. So Matthew 6, how do I show God that I love him? And it's the verse that I used for the offering today. Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his way of doing, and all these things will be added unto you. Is everybody familiar with that scripture in Matthew? He's talking to the Gentiles and he says, why are you acting like the Gentiles? You're worried about what you're going to eat. You're worried about what you're going to wear. You're worried about all of these things. But if you will seek ye first, first, that's the priority. I guarantee you, if each and every one of us will start seeking first the kingdom of God in every situation in our life, we'll start getting answers a lot quicker. We'll start seeing more breakthrough. We'll start seeing things manifesting that we've been believing for. The problem is, is that we like to seek God for just the special things. You know, God, I need to believe you for this thing way over here, but you know, I got all this other stuff. I got that covered. My job, my relationships got it. No, 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 no. I don't need to seek you first in those areas. I got those just the way that I want them. But God, here comes this thing over here. Oh, Lord, I'm seeking you first. God, I, there's no way that I can do this without you. God, I'm seeking you first. See, to walk and live by faith, the just shall live by faith, is every day submitting every part of my life to his will and his word. Every day submitting every part of my life. Well, pastor, I just can't spend time with God all day. You're spending time with somebody. Who is it? Now, yes, we all have jobs and we all have to work and we all have to do those things. But learning to discern God while I'm at work is one of the most precious things that you'll ever learn. Because you'll learn that you're not alone and that he's with you in the midst of whatever you're doing. Take, you know how they have take your daughter to work day? Take Jesus to work. Amen. He doesn't eat much. He only speaks unless he's spoken to. And he's always right. So when you take Jesus to work with you, you're not alone. My dad had a powerful, powerful encounter with the living God when he was in Corpus Christi. Everybody knows pastor's testimony when he was in insurance. He found that he was wearing a terry cloth robe. He was walking to walking through the 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 he was smoking a cigar or a cigarette. But he found a piece of paper on the floor in our house and it said, if God be for you, who can be against you? And he picked that up and he got revelation knowledge and Jesus became real to him for how many days? 90 days. And it was so real that when he would go get in their Volkswagen to go sell insurance to people that didn't want insurance, he would go around the car, open the door, put Jesus in the front seat and lay his robe over his lap. He took Jesus to work with him. And when he went into those people to sell insurance and they said no, it wasn't just saying no to him. They were saying no to Jesus, but he wasn't alone in the midst of it. You know, you can take Jesus to work with you every single day. If you'll make him a priority. See, this is not something that he has to do. This is something that he wants to do. 
Jesus wants to be a part of every area of your life, not just the uncomfortable, ugly ones. He can fix your relationships. He can heal everything in your body. He can deal with addiction. He can deal with hereditary things. But we have to acknowledge him. We have to make him our priority. I have to learn to value what he's already done in my life and what he is doing in my life. As I said before, number one in Matthew 6, it says, seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God. When I seek first, I open up unlimited play ways of for him to get to me what I need. When I seek him first, there's no limits when I seek him first. When I make him my priority, there is no way. There, there are a trillion options of how he can get what you need to you when you seek him first. But when I don't seek him first, those doors start shutting and those opportunities aren't there anymore. I have to learn to seek him first. We got to get to the point that every day you get up and say, Holy Spirit, I cannot do this without you. I cannot do this without you today. I cannot go to where I need to go. I cannot do what I need to do today. I cannot do anything else. I want to become so completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. And when you do that, then you're going to have the joy of the Lord. When you do that, you're going to see breakthrough. When you do that, it doesn't matter what happens on I-10. It just doesn't matter what they do to you on I-10 anymore. Because they're not doing it to you, they're doing it to Jesus. Because he's in the front seat with you. Amen? Say priorities. Deuteronomy 6.5, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Amen? When we put first things first, there is peace, there is blessing, and there is life. There is peace and there is blessing and there is life. So if the Lord says, Jack, if you love me, if that's the number one commandment, to love the Lord thy God, then I want to find out what is Jesus' definition of that. So I want you to go with me to the book of John. The book of John. And let's look at John chapter 14, verse 15. Ushers, lock the back doors. Everybody get ready. There you go, Virgil. Thank you. If you love me, keep my commandments. What? But I love you, God. Okay, God is saying, if you love me, keep my commandments. How do we show God that we love him? We keep his commandments. Write this down if you're taking notes. Love can only be measured by obedience. If I, <laughs> if I tell Michelle that I love her, but I don't listen to a thing that she has to say, does a thing that she asks me to do, or want to spend any time with her, do I really love her? Well, I can tell you that I love her, but I'm not doing anything to reinforce that confession. I'm really just living any way that I want, but I'm not doing, if I love her, I'll listen to her. And there, I, I, she has saved my life more than once. She has saved my life more than once when we have spoken to each other. If I choose to ignore her voice, then there's a lot of trouble that I could fall into. There's a lot of bad mistakes that I could make. 
See, I have to learn to value what she has to say to me. If I love God, if I'm saying, God is telling us right here, okay, everybody that wrote down priorities, how many of you put God as the number one priority? Come on, wake up, come on. Then the way, number one way that you show God that you love him is by obeying his commands. Well, then that makes me want to find out, well, what are his commands? What have I gotten myself into? I'm so glad that he asked. John 14, 21 says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. John 15, 17, number one, these things I command you. He's about to command you. Are you ready? Are you ready? ready. These things I command you. Number one, that you love one another. Number one thing, if I show God, if God is my number one priority, if God, you're number one on my list, and the way that you, your priority is that I love the Lord thy God with all my heart, all my soul, and all my strength, and the way that I prove that to you, God, is by doing your commands, the number one God th thing that God says is, is you got to love each other. I dare to say we have a hard time in a room in a church loving each other. I mean, it's hard enough to love the people that we're supposed to love. How about the people we don't know? He's commanding me, Jack, you have to love one another. He also says, um, that I'd keep his word. If I love him, I'd keep his word. Now we're talking about commands, right? If I love God, then I will obey his commands. And by me obeying his commands, it's a good thing when we obey, right? Yes. It's not a grievous thing. He doesn't send me to prison for obeying. There's blessing through obedience. Now, tell me if this is a command. Go. Is that a command? Yes. Sound like a command? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Sound like a command? How can I tell God that I love him when I don't do the command and go? I asked last week how many people wanted to go to Thailand in June and about four hands went up and they were all my family. And that shook me to my core. Oh, everybody's gonna wanna go now. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the church, we cannot say that we love God, but not do what he told us to do. He told us to go. I don't need permission to do the Great Commission. Amen. Jesus himself went on a mission strip. Let that sink in for a minute. Even Jesus went on a mission strip. He left heaven. He came to earth. His mission trip was 100% successful. His video would be better than mine. Of how many souls, because he won us all. I want to encourage us as we are changing from a come ye church to a go ye church that a part of us telling God that we love him 
is to be a part of the Great Commission. And it doesn't just apply to a select few. Each and every one of us needs to start changing our mindset that maybe you're not going to go to Thailand with us in June, but you can go to your grocery store. If you'll start changing the way that you think and using your opportunities as a go moment, I want us to have go moments. I want us to start spending time with God on a regular basis and looking for opportunities so that when he says, go to that person in the mall, go to that person in the restaurant, go to that coworker, that you are going under the same anointing and power just as if you were going on a foreign land and preaching the gospel like we did. If we tell God that we love him, then we have to do what he told us to do. And nowhere in the Bible did he ever said, stop. He said, go ye into all the world. Now, he also said in Matthew, go and make disciples. We are very good at the disciple part. I want to give you, we are West Houston Christian Center. I think this is one of the strongest things that we do at this church is discipleship. I think there are so many good teachers here that teach us how to do that part. But you know what? There's a go in front of that. Go and make disciples. I think once we start changing our culture and our mindset, I'm so excited about this missions and evangelism board. We're going to be meeting in August. Can't wait to get that information to you. We're going to start bringing missions and evangelism to the forefront of everything that we do. I am changing all of our giving at West Houston Christian Center. All of it. It is all going into souls. It is all going into missions and missionaries. People that have a heart that are out there doing it because this, the, the fields are so ripe right now. They are all ripe. There are, you, can, you can stick your hands in and you're just picking up gold everywhere. Because people are hungry for what you and I are sitting in this church that we have. We have the good news of Jesus Christ. And you should be a lot more excited than you are right now about that. But it's going to involve us changing why we come to church and how we do church. I want to start seeing, I want to start thinking more about others than myself. I want to start going and I want to see this amazing harvest You know, there's just something about putting yourself, painting yourself in a corner where there's nothing you can do unless God does it. It's a scary place, but it's the most wonderful place that you'll ever be where you are completely and totally dependent on him. So I'm just encouraging you as your pastor, Pastor Michelle and I are, I'm just excited about where we're getting ready to go and what we're getting ready to do. I'm excited that I have just some really, really clear vision about where God wants West Houston Christian Center. My parents did an amazing part about building this boat, but it was Michelle and I that God has given the charge of casting out our nets. And Michelle and I are, you know, we'll have been senior pastors in October. It'll be four years. And I finally have the release of the Lord to start making some pretty heavy changes to how we're doing things. And you know what? I have their full approval What they did was amazing and outstanding, and I get to build on top of what they've done. They're not a pastor in the world that would say, hey, we're going to give you this building and it's paid for and the staff and all this. I'd be like, yeah, I'll take that. That's a good thing. 
But it's now our job. It's not our job. Listen to me. If we will, and, and, and this is more for me, and I'm going to finish with this, okay? If we will become, it's not about growing the church. It's about growing the kingdom. And if we will just make that shift in our thinking that what we're trying to do at West Houston Christian Center is I'm not trying to grow the church anymore. I am not growing this church anymore. I'm not doing special events to grow the church. I'm not going to do special things to have an event to try and grow the church. It doesn't work. But what I can do is I can train and teach people how to go out and win the lost. What I can do is teach you and how to arm you that when you're in the grocery store, can I just teach you the most simple soul winning technique that I've ever used that's 100% successful? Would you like to learn that real quick? Okay. Would you like to learn that real quick? All you have to do is you be led by who you do this with. But if you will just simply ask the person, hey, if this was your last day on earth, they're going to get uncomfortable real quick. Like, are you going to kill me? No. If you will just simply ask that person, if today is your last day on earth and tomorrow you're going to step into your eternity, where are you going to end up? Man. A lot of times they'll say, I don't know. Man, that's great. When they say, I don't know, you have an open invitation to share your Jesus with them. Because all you can say is, well, would you like to know? Oh, yeah, it's eternity. If they say they do know, then you could say, well, what makes you so confident about that? Well, I'm a good person. And my aunt, she had a pew down at the Baptist church when I was 12. And I just know I'm getting, no, 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 no. See, all of these opportunities, it gives you a chance to tell them the very simple gospel of how God loved them and wants a relationship with them. I guarantee you, if you'll start using that wherever you are and looking for opportunities to share your faith, that soul winner, and see, there's soul winners in this room. We just haven't had a chance to unleash you yet. But there are soul winners in this room. And you've been waiting, chomping at the bit where you could get out there and get your hands on somebody in the right way to share your faith. Amen. How many soul winners in the room? I'm one. Come on. Let's go. Are you ready to do this thing? Huh? Are you ready to start having more fun than you've ever had in your entire life? Then stand to your feet. You better start getting here early. God's doing something. God didn't get us all stirred up just to go back to business as usual. You need to get your kids and your youth into church. They can be tired another day of the week. Why does it have to be Sunday? If I have to be here, you have to be here. Close your eyes. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this amazing opportunity, Lord, to take our place. And Lord, I am asking you to show Pastor Michelle and I how to equip this body the best way, Lord, to become harvesters, Lord. There's a great white harvest out there, Lord. The fields are white. They're ripe, Lord. There's fruit. It's fallen. It's hanging off the trees right now, Lord. 
Show us, Father, how to be harvesters. Show us, Lord, how to recognize when people need that word that we have. Teach us, Lord, how to be bold. He gave us the Holy Spirit so that we would be a witness. So if you have the Holy Spirit, you already have the power and the energy to do what he's already asked you to do. He didn't just give you a call. He gave you an equipping so that you can do that call. He gave you the spirit of restoration and he gave you the ministry of reconciliation. It's already in you. You've already been appointed. You've already been, you already have that, that, that commission. So Father, I pray that each and every one of us would have some go moments. Lord, I'm praying them for each and every one of us. Go moments. Moments, Father, where we can be your hands, be your feet, be your words, where we can snatch people that are on their way to hell and bring them into the, the harvest of the kingdom. So, Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over every person in this room. I thank you, Lord, that today is the day, that this is the time, that, Lord, you can mark it on your calendar, that the last Sunday in July in 2023, amen, these doors flew open, that God showed up and he showed out. Thank you, Lord, for the go moment in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen.